Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everybody, and Happy New Year. Cheryl Atkinson here with another edition of Full Measure After Hours. I hope you will consider starting off the new year right by ordering my new bestseller, Slanted, How the News Media Taught Us to Love Censorship and Hate Journalism. It's a nonpartisan look at the depth of the news as we once knew it. Check out the reviews on Amazon.com and see why this is probably good information for you to have. Today, we're ringing in the new year with a look at full measure news, past, present, and future. On Sunday, January 3rd, we are in a rerun of full measure, and we start with our New edition, our fresh 2021 edition of season six at full measure the following Sunday. But what are we going to have as far as reruns? If you haven't seen it, this is a great program to turn your friends and family on to, a great episode, in fact, because it will remind them of what the news used to be like. That's what we try to do at full measure before it was the strange animal that it's become. Most of the reporting on full measure has little to nothing to do with politics. And when we do touch on political issues, we may hear from a Democrat, we may hear from a Republican, we may ask challenging questions, but we let them fully answer because when I do an interview, I really want to hear what they have to say. I'm not looking for a gotcha moment that can play in a five-second soundbite and get circulated and complimented by my peers on social media make me feel like a hero. It's all about getting information, particularly on this program and this environment, information that powerful interests wish that you didn't have, that they're trying to suppress quite successfully on other forums and formats. And on a very basic level, you will get information and news on full measure like you might have gotten seven, eight years ago on the networks, but they're just not carrying this kind of information now. It's what else is going on in this nation and in this world outside of New York and Washington, D.C.? It has to do with other things. We travel to Greece and Denmark and Norway and the United Kingdom and Russia all over the place to bring stories that are of interest to Americans. And then we travel around the country and do stories that aren't being talked about but are very important to you. What do we have on the rerun program this coming week? Well, a replay of The Battle Below, a fascinating story I knew very little about until Lisa Fletcher reported this for me on Full Measure. And it's about the competitive nature of trying to mine for rare earth minerals in the subsea. And it turns out these minerals, some of which are still being discovered, are often very key to the things we need to build our technology. And same with other countries around the world. So there's a very tough competition to mine and locate these rare earth minerals. And guess who we're in a really big competition with on this Yes, China. So our cover story this coming week, which is January 3rd, Sunday, 
takes a look at all of that, the exploration, the controversies, and the competition. I also will have a story, this is part of the rerun as well, about who's conducting oversight of the massive amounts of money sent out for coronavirus aid. And I knew already from my experience covering Follow the Money stories for decades in Washington, D.C., that wherever there are pots of money, unfortunately, there is waste, fraud, and abuse. So in this story that I'm reporting on Sunday, I talked to the General Accountability Office. I looked through prosecutorial records to see what kinds of cases are being built already against alleged fraudsters who have cheated us out of money under the guise of needing coronavirus aid, including a former NFL player. So that will be on the program this week as well. And you know, you can watch replays of this show if you don't know where it's seen on television. You can find the list at fullmeasure.news under About. But if you don't have a TV station in your area or it's not convenient for you to watch, you can watch replays anytime at fullmeasure.news online for free. What you'll find if you go there now to fullmeasure.news are the segments from last week's program. I did an investigative segment about Title IX changes and the way colleges are supposed to handle sexual harassment investigations. This is really interesting. And again, not widely reported on because it's not part of anyone's particular narrative that they're trying to push out. And the news too often these days only publishes what powerful interests want them to publish. They're not looking for those ground-level stories that some special interest isn't pushing through a PR firm or nonprofit. Anyway, it turns out that the rules under which sexual assault and harassment claims are to be investigated at college campuses have been changed, and it's quite controversial. On the one hand, those responsible for the change in the Trump administration, including Education Secretary Betsy DeVos, say that this is going to be much fairer to both accused and victim, too often, according to some critics of how things were being done, those who are being accused really didn't have a chance to defend themselves, didn't have the kind of opportunity you would have in a court of law if a case were brought in our legal system. And too often, again, according to some of these critics of the way things have been, innocent people were being railroaded, smeared, their academic careers thrown down the toilet based on very little evidence. On the other hand, there are critics, you'll hear from them in the report as well, who don't like the way it's changing to. They say that the opportunities now provided for the accused to have a representative question the alleged victim, that that's intimidating, they don't like that part of it. They say that these changes are going to make it tougher for genuine victims to come forward. We air all of that out in our cover story that's posted now at fullmeasure.news from the past week. Also, Lisa Fletcher has a fascinating story about the Takata airbag recalls. You've been hearing about this for years. Millions and millions of airbags being recalled very slowly. They didn't have the replacement parts. So on the one hand, we were being told that we were driving cars that were too dangerous to keep the airbags. But on the other hand, we were being told there was no way to replace them. And there's sort of a whistleblower from the inside that says not only are the replacements in some cases as bad as the originals, but there are all kinds of shenanigans going on in the background of this recall. And I also, in a segment posted there now at fullmeasure.news, spoke with entertainer Adam Carolla, a fascinating guy. This is my second interview with him when I was out in Los Angeles recently. He says that he intentionally 
built sort of an empire for himself outside the Hollywood establishment because as a free-thinking, conservative-leaning, although not on every issue, but conservative-leaning entertainer, he said he could see years ago there would be no place for him in a traditional Hollywood. And he didn't want to put himself in a position where he could be canceled. So as he says, as he tells me in the interview, I own the building, I can't be canceled. And it's a really interesting interview about what he thinks of today's culture. We take a look at his movie, No Safe Spaces, and that segment's posted as well. So that takes care of past and present, but I also wanted to talk about what's coming up in the near-term future on Full Measure because I'm very excited about some of the stories and investigations I'm working on that I think will be really informative to you. I will be making a repeat visit to Fort Detrick where they're doing a lot of research on not just coronavirus, but the future of viruses. They've been looking at the coronavirus vaccine issues and their chief virologist there, Dr. John Dye, did a great interview with me on the front end of this pandemic when we knew far less. He later told me that that was really the most well-received interview he's ever done, that they thought this was informative. It reflected exactly what they do at this military laboratory. And they welcomed me back when I asked for the chance to interview Dr. Dai again and ask him all kinds of new questions about the things that we've learned since and the questions that you probably have about all of this, logical questions that too often aren't addressed or aren't asked on the regular news. I'll have that story coming up very soon on Full Measure. But even before that, on our January 10th episode, I have a really deep dive into all of this high-tech censorship What's behind it? Who's behind it? Who funds these, what I call, fake fact checks? Who's behind the movement to do these fake fact checks? What are they really trying to do? And I'll speak to a whistleblower from one of the big tech companies who talks about how he says they are slanting information and algorithms and searches on the inside in ways you probably suspected and have heard something about but he will tell you a lot more than you probably knew. I will be taking a look at the movement to try to move parts of the federal government outside of Washington, D.C. This is something that some have pushed for, sort of a decentralization for quite some time. But under President Trump and an executive order that he signed, that really accelerated plans inside some federal agencies. So I've been digging into who's moved where, how much money it's supposedly saving taxpayers, and also who is against such an idea. I also plan to look at what's happened to some towns and cities in the wake of all the things the past year, coronavirus, the violent riots, increasing taxes, you name it. And one of those cities that's been very much impacted is Nashville and the music industry in ways that you probably haven't thought much about. The stars, the big stars, they can sort of weather this time where the music venues are closed and they can't make the income the way they used to through live music performances as a result of coronavirus restrictions. But as you might imagine, these mid-level or up-and-coming artists, they're having a terrible time. And this is impacting really the whole shape of Nashville today. I'll also be talking about all of the people and businesses moving out of New York City will quantify it, hopefully, in a way that has not been well done so far. I'll be talking about and investigating those newish kind of toll roads where I call it a sliding scale. 
but they charge you more the more people who are using it. This is becoming more and more popular around the country. So sometimes you're facing a toll maybe to go a couple of miles of $15, $25, $35, $50. Not kidding. Who's making money off of this? Who lobbied for the system? Because despite the fact that some local governments say they have polls showing that these types of roads are very popular, I think they're pretty unpopular. And I asked a lot of people who use them and people who avoid them. I don't think they're as popular as the polls that the industry and the government officials put out say they are. But in any event, we'll look at who's lobbying for those, who's making money off of them. I'll be looking at the Boy Scouts of America, the massive class action lawsuit to settle so many of the sexual abuse claims. I could not believe how many cases there are over the decades. And as the Boy Scouts is trying to put it behind them and make a massive payments to anybody who files their lawsuits and their claims, we'll be looking at that. I'll be looking at the business of states trying to attract the movie industry because it's getting harder to make movies in Hollywood, particularly during coronavirus. The restrictions there are very expensive and onerous. You probably heard in recent weeks the audio of Tom Cruise yelling at people because I think someone wasn't following the proper precautions or wearing masks, but it's a lot more than just masking on the studio sets in Los Angeles. And it turns out that that makes it pretty attractive for some rural settings to be able to make movies. And the states see this, states like Georgia, Louisiana, and Montana, and they are passing tax incentives and other incentives that hopefully attract movies. And they've done quite well in some respects in Montana, where we will visit and talk about some of the movies they're making there and visit some of the movie sets. So those are just a few of the things coming up in the near future, plus some fun stuff. Um, I go to a really fascinating dinosaur fossil museum. You know, sometimes we like to do those on our travels, those little features at the end of our program. I got to visit sort of in the middle of nowhere, the place where Custer's last stand happened. I'll give you a tour of that, tell you what that was really all about. You've probably heard the phrase, but maybe you don't know much about what's behind it. And we will visit Sturgis. Remember Sturgis, South Dakota, which a lot of critics claimed was a super spreader event when the motorcycle enthusiasts gathered for their annual rally. Well, there's a lot more to that story. I will also be looking at a story on, I call it power play, the competition between the fossil fuel industries and the clean energy, as they call them, or green energy industries. So we're talking about maybe coal plants versus solar power and windmills and so on. There's a lot going on impacting many different states. And we'll look at how these competing forms of energy are negotiating their place. We'll look at what I call their power play. There's more for us to talk about after a short break, including a very important new feature that I'm starting on full measure very soon. I think you will like it. The news as we once knew it no longer exists. It's become a product molded and shaped to suit the narrative. Facts that don't fit are omitted. Off-narrative people and views are controversialized or neatly deposited down the memory hole. Partisan pundits, analysts, and anonymous sources fill news space, leaving little room for facts. The line between opinion and fact has disappeared. In my new book, Slanted, How the News Media Taught Us to Love Censorship and Hate Journalism, 
I reveal the struggles inside newsrooms where journalism used to rule. For the first time, dozens of current and former top national news executives, producers, and reporters give insider accounts speaking with shocking candor about our industry's devolution. Buy Slanted today for yourself or as a holiday gift for someone you care about anywhere. We're back, and I mentioned before the break that I will be starting a new feature on Full Measure, something I think you're really going to appreciate And I'm tentatively calling it The Censored. What is this going to be about? Well, in light of the clampdown on free information in our open and free society, the fact that on the news they're deciding what views can't be heard, who's right and who's wrong on the front end, even when it's a matter of opinion or a matter of dispute, at a time when social media is labeling and censoring certain people, ideas, scientific studies at the behest, in my view, of powerful political and corporate interests who are able to pull strings through fact checks and nonprofits and funding of all of these efforts and the big tech companies. So it's harder to just get basic information, and in particular, when there's really important information that powerful interests don't want us to see, hear, or read because it's off their narrative, it's getting harder to find it. So to speak in opposition to this trend, I will be featuring some ideas, topics, and people that are being squelched or controversialized or censored by today's media, social media, and internet. And in some cases, it won't be that I even necessarily agree with the points that they're making, agree or even disagree. It's that this information, in my view, in our open and free society is supposed to be accessible and available to those who want to see, read, and hear it. So to speak in favor of openness and access to information, which is getting increasingly difficult in my view, I will be highlighting some of these people, ideas, and subjects that you can't find elsewhere because somebody has decided, typically some powerful interest pulling strings within news organizations or in the public narrative or at social media, they've decided you shouldn't hear from these people. They've sometimes unfairly or incorrectly or falsely controversialized and characterize the people and the ideas and the topics that we'll be looking at. So you can look forward to that on upcoming episodes of Full Measure. And I want to spend a little bit of time talking about where you can get off narrative reporting on news, meaning facts and, again, ideas and scientific studies and whatnot that powerful interests don't want you to see anymore. Where can you go? I talk about that in my last chapter of my bestseller, Slanted. I have some recommendations for finding off-narrative, accurate reporting on various topics. It's not as though it's easy. You can't just go to one place, in my view, and find it. You can go to some original sourcing to look for information. I've often said that I use C-SPAN a lot now when I want to find out what happened at a hearing or at a news conference C-SPAN covers a lot of that, and I watch the event in its context and in full. And the scary thing is, when I do that, the message that I get out of watching the whole event without the filter of the news media and social media, the impression I get is often, if not almost always, different than the one that I feel I was being fed or the narrative that was coming across on the popular media. That goes to show you that The filter that's getting in the way between us and our information now is actually changing the information, interpreting it in a way that may not be 
in context or an honest representation of what happened. And I know you don't have time to do that. This is what news reporters were supposed to look at the original information and help provide an honest view of what was said and done, but that's kind of hard to find. So like I said, I go to C-SPAN for some of that. I also name in my last chapter of Slanted some reporters and outlets who you can go to on certain topics. It's not as though maybe there's one place you can go for everything, but for national security stuff, I said that I've always liked David Martin of CBS. I don't know where he stands politically, which is probably part of the beauty of David Martin and his reporting. I think he's fair. I think he's well-connected. I don't think he grinds his own agendas. And he's also not a tool of the government, even though he has access to government officials. And I think he's highly respected. He doesn't just simply report uncritically what they tell him. Too many beat reporters do that now. Um, By the same token, I have asked my colleagues for their recommendations. Those are also included in the book. And a couple of people named Pete Williams, also on national security issues, even though I believe I think he worked under a Bush administration, so he came in it as a partisan, I suppose. But now, according to his colleagues, he's a good and fair reporter of news and that you can't tell where he stands in his news reporting because he's just being a neutral player. So that's a recommendation for national security and military stuff. Um, When it comes to freedom of information and media criticism, I recommend... Glenn Greenwald, and used to be of The Intercept, I think, when I published the book. In fact, Glenn Greenwald still worked for his organization, the one he started, The Intercept, which ironically he started, he says, so that it could challenge the public's narrative and the government narrative and the prevailing media narratives and be an honest mediator in that environment. But what happened? According to Glenn Greenwald, a couple of weeks ago, His own publication and its editorial process that he helped establish would not let him publish an honest article that involved Joe Biden's son, Hunter. And so Greenwald left his own news organization. But I think he's a great person to look for what he writes and what he says when it comes to off-narrative topics about the media and the government. He will be finding other ways to get his reporting across now that he's not with The Intercept anymore. And there are other recommendations like that in the final chapter of Slanted. But I also want to point out at CherylAckison.com, my personal website, I try to aggregate some of this information that's hard to find elsewhere so that you can go there and look, for example, under the tab that says Special Investigations. And if you look under Election 2020, the tab under Special Investigations, You can find links to -to hard-to-find election fraud stories and links. These are links that, by the way, when you try to pass them around on social media, and these are links to public hearings, for example, and court documents. Twitter was censoring them. They couldn't be passed around. They weren't easy to find. I tried to gather them in one place. I'm not commenting on them. I'm letting you find them because it's so easy to find the other side of the story, but it's very one-sided. This way, you can get a more rounded look at information and the story. I also wrote a pretty comprehensive article that's at the same link under Election 2020 under the Special Investigations tab that sort of talks about the allegations of widespread irregularities and fraud, kind of wrote them up together in a news article because people were denying that there was really anything credible going on, and I found something quite different. And then I even compiled a couple of weeks ago, and this link is still there, some of the most significant claims 
of 2020 election miscounts, errors, or fraud because we kept hearing anecdotes of one thing or another, but I couldn't find a place where they were put together so they could sort of be analyzed together, taken as a whole, instead of just piecemeal without a lot of good context. There are also other things I put on there, such as the adverse events reported after the COVID-19 vaccine so far. Unlike other reporters, I'm not trying to tell you to get the vaccine or not get the vaccine. I don't think that's a reporter's role anyway. And according to CDC anyway, that's a very individual decision. These sweeping proclamations shouldn't be made. And the advice certainly shouldn't be coming from the lips of news reporters who haven't personally done any scientific studies on the matter. They can quote analysts and they can quote public health officials and they can quote doctors and scientists, but they shouldn't be advocating themselves, in my view. That's not a journalistic thing to do. And I have published a list of the adverse event descriptions that so far have been compiled in the vaccine adverse event reporting system that the government keeps for this purpose. It's a couple of weeks behind the actual reporting of the events. Takes a little while for them to get posted, but you can look at that. I also am continuing to keep my definitive list of media mistakes in the era of Donald Trump. I just added to that list again recently. Sadly, there always seems to be new material to put on the list. I also dug in a little bit to that report about the nurse in Tennessee who fainted after the COVID-19 vaccine. Remember, a bunch of rumors started that she is dead or had died after she fainted very publicly during a live shot. And then there were fact checks, at least they purported to be fact checks, saying that she's absolutely fine. But of course, those weren't real fact checks because it was just some news organization or fact checker with no firsthand information. They had not interviewed her or seen her after this incident, but they had taken the word of the hospital who put out a statement saying she feels fine, but she just wants to be left alone and have her privacy. Anyway, I compiled some links and information about that in case you're curious. That's the sort of thing I try to compile at CherylAckison.com. I also frequently post unscientific surveys. I often get several thousand people answering them. And it's interesting because a polling company has contacted me on the side and said that the results of my polls on a lot of questions actually mirror the same results of their very carefully done scientific polls, which is kind of funny. But I don't claim these are scientific. These are just people who want to answer the polls on my website. Right now I'm asking, have you gotten a COVID-19 vaccine? So we'll see how many people say they've been offered it or not yet offered it, and if they're planning to get it or if they've already gotten it. The last survey I recently did was about how many people had been diagnosed with COVID-19 and whether they had no symptoms, mild symptoms, became very ill, or they don't think they've had it. I'll go ahead and summarize that for you. About 17% of the people who answered the unscientific poll said that they've been diagnosed with COVID-19. I had about 2,400 responses. 14% of those who said that they'd been diagnosed reported having mild symptoms or no symptoms, and 3% reported that they became quote, very ill. And among those who said that they haven't been diagnosed, 14% said they think they've had it anyway, although they haven't had a diagnosis. And about 59% said they either don't think they've had coronavirus or aren't sure, but
but they haven't had a diagnosis. And lastly, something to check out at CherylAckison.com. I've added a new censored tab, which is along the lines of the segment that I'll be starting on full measure. I will be putting information and links on censored topics and people there under the censored tab so that you can look around and see what it is, what idea or person or study somebody else doesn't really want you to see. And again, I'm not taking a position. I'm simply letting you see the information so that you can put that into your information gathering and make your own judgments about what you think. I hope you enjoy today's podcast and that you will subscribe to Full Measure After Hours. Share this podcast with your friend, tell your friends about the TV program, and leave a great review. Also, check out my other podcast, the Cheryl Ackeson Podcast. And don't forget, if you are a free-thinking, open-minded person who wonders exactly what happened to the news and why and who's behind it, beyond the stuff you already know, scratching beyond the surface, then please check out my new bestseller, Slanted, How the News Media Taught Us to Love Censorship and Hate Journalism. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself.